So if you have a confession, a copy of a confession, please turn there to chapter 32, and we'll begin. <clears throat> The title is The Last Judgment. There has been much uh, controversy, bad theology placed forth about the Day of Judgment, uh, misunderstandings about the Day of Judgment. Uh, before Paul left, he gave me a book uh, to to help me to look at the, the final chapter. This uh, it's a very good book. I'm looking for the man's name. <clears throat> and I can't find it, but I, it's, it's very good. It clears up a lot of stuff. It, gives, it clears up the bad theology in a very succinct, short way. What I, what I plan to do is read through all three paragraphs of this final chapter, and then address, and we'll look at the scriptures that support what's put forth right here, and uh, it shouldn't take too long. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, no doubt you are good and just. You're loving, long-suffering, and you seek salvation for your children. Oh, Lord, you have secured salvation for your children. Thank you. Help us as we look. God, please uh, give me clear thought. I pray, God, that you'll uh, prepare hearts. I pray, that, I pray that people will hear and see the, both the severity and the comfort that we see in these verses in your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we read this... Uh, and I hope, I have, I have taken and I hope you will realize what a tool this is for ministry. I have given away a couple of these. People, I come in contact with people and they say, my, my church is having trouble. My church uh, is struggling. Uh, things like this. They're not, they're not doing church right. So, I give them a copy of the confession. Now we have to, and I think all of us understand, I hope the kids will understand this is not the Bible. This is not Scripture. It tells us where to look in Scripture. It tells us where to apply Scripture. It tells us the subjects about Scripture. It's very valuable. It, uh, people will say, and I, you probably have friends or family that say, well, we shouldn't have creeds and confessions. We should rely on the Bible. And, and well-meaning, I'm sure, but more likely just lazy. And they won't, they won't admit that People have gone before and worked hard to arrange this and compile this so that it's a big help for us. It is a gigantic help. Uh, I encourage you to give them away. Not necessarily the ones we have at church. Get some of your own and give them away. Although we have give a lot away. Okay, let's read. Uh, we'll read through all of it and then I'll try to address the first paragraph. Of the last judgment. God hath appointed a day wherein he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ, to whom all power and judgment is given of the Father, in which day not only the apostate angels shall be judged, 
but likewise all persons that have lived upon the earth shall appear before the tribunal of Christ to give an account of their thoughts, words, and deeds, and to receive according to what they have done in the body, whether good or evil. Paragraph 2, the end of God's appointing this day. That means the result, the point, the, what, he, what God intends by this day. The end of God's appointing this day is for the manifestation of the glory of His mercy in the eternal salvation of the elect and of His justice in the eternal damnation of the reprobate who are wicked and disobedient. For then shall the righteous go into eternal into everlasting life and receive that fullness of joy and glory with everlasting rewards in the presence of the Lord. But the wicked who know not God and obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ shall be cast aside into everlasting torments and punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Paragraph 3. As Christ would have us to be certainly persuaded that there shall be a day of judgment both to deter all men from sin and for the greater consolation of the God, godly in their adversity, so will he have the day unknown to men, that they may shake off all carnal security and be always watchful, because they know not at what hour the Lord will come and may ever be prepared to say, Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. So we look at judgment, and when I gave some messages on righteousness. I mentioned that judgment, righteousness, and justice, you, you can hardly separate these subjects in, in Scripture, in uh, theology. They, they go together. They go with uh, all that God is. Uh, you can't take these things apart from God. We have to, and the question that I put forth, firstly, it says, of the last judgment. Well, why is there a last judgment? And that's because God is just. And just a reminder, on this side of eternity, we do better to plead for mercy. God does judge in mercy sometimes, and He will deal in mercy. Proverbs twenty-eight seventeen says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Also, and we're familiar with 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, faithfulness and just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As was said this morning. Funny how that happens, huh? God is faithful. He will be faithful either to bless or he will be faithful to punish. He will be just. And since God is just, He will keep His promise, either to punish or to forgive in mercy. So we see in first chat, the first paragraph, it says, God hath appointed a day. So the first heading I have is the certainty of that day. And the scripture given is Acts Chapter 17, 31. You can turn there if you want to. I might be too fast for you because I have them listed for myself. Acts chapter 17, verse 31. It says it is fixed. And it says, Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all 
by raising him from the dead. This is proof positive, and it is God's stamp of declaration that Christ himself is worthy. Christ said, I will judge. I am the one. I'm son, I was judged as the Son of Man. And he said, God has made him this way, and he raised him from the dead to prove it, to say that he's qualified, that God approves, and that uh, he has earned this right because he is the source and the fountain of all righteousness. This word uh, fixed, you'll see that almost, it's the same idea that appears twice there. In the first line it is fixed and then he says he has appointed. This is unchangeable. God will not change. Uh, for him to change would be to say that he, he has something to aspire to or oops, I missed it. I'm, I'm wrong. I need to fix it. Or to say uh, that's just impossible. God's, God's not going to do that. He has fixed it. It will happen. Uh, the last paragraph addresses why we don't know. All right, then there's another scripture given. John 12, verses 43, 47 through 48 says, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm giving one that I found myself. Uh, it says, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. This is Christ speaking. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. This is Christ speaking of his, the first time he came. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. The reference there, on the last day, is the, just uh, seals the fact that this day is fixed, immovable, it's not changed, it's always been planned this way. For more references here, uh, you can see in Romans chapter 2, verse 16, Romans 11, 32, and 33, and uh, first Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4, 8, Paul spoke of his crown of righteousness and Christ the righteous judge, just like we see in our confession here. Christ the righteous judge, the only one qualified. He says he will judge in righteousness on that day. So we see from Scripture, clearly, the day is assigned, the day is certain, the day is nailed down. We don't know when it is. God knows. That's all that matters. Another scripture. Uh, that's not time for that scripture. So, number two, the judge of that day. Who is the judge of that day? This is Jesus himself. This scripture supports it in John 5, 22, the next one given. given. For the father, father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And verse 27, same chapter. And he has given him authority to execute justice, judgment, because he is the Son of Man. We see that his judge is always righteous. His judgment is always righteous. Uh, we see in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 15. In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute judgment and justice and righteousness in the land. Prophetically, speaking ahead of Jesus, uh, beyond the context in Jeremiah's time. We also see in Acts chapter 10, verse 42, the re uh, reference to an appointed time and appointed judge. And he commanded us, this is Peter talking in his uh, defense of the gospel, 
Peter says, and he commanded us to preach. And I like that. He commanded us to preach. That's a whole other subject, but the church does not prosper because the church won't preach. The church is not growing because people won't preach. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed, Christ himself, by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. So we see the judge of that day. We go on in the confession. Who will be judged? Those judged on that day. Number three. It says apostate angels. And the scripture comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 3. Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more then matters pertaining to this life? Another scripture that I found supporting this uh, in 2 Peter 2, 4. God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them into hell in chains and darkness to await judgment. The very subject we're talking about here, the day of judgment. This is uh, another subject that is settled, uh, nailed down, immovable. We talked this morning in the message, uh, Austin brought out the fact that time and people will hedge their bets on time. And uh, maybe God will forget, or certainly I will forget, and I end up not confessing my sin. It ends up being bad. God will not forget. He says these angels are reserved. I thought it somewhat odd that we have only the reference, except for Scripture, we have only the reference of people we know and the church and uh, the world that we live in, and we think of evil people and people who, are, who have been wronged, and we think, well, vengeance is the Lord. He will judge one day. That person will not get away with what they're doing. Uh, God, will, God will judge them. But I never considered, apart from Scripture, apostate angels. Uh, the subject of angels is pretty big in the Bible. Obviously, we're told there are myriads and myriads, tens and thousands, uh, innumerable by human standard, innumerable number of angels, created beings, uh, we're even told about uh, elect angels. I guess that's the ones that did not rebel. So where do we hear about the angels that will be the apostate angels who are judged? Well, you can think immediately because we haven't been long through uh, Revelation where that scripture was given about Satan and the, the vision that John had and the dragon that fell and his uh, tail swept down a third of the stars, and that's figuratively angels, I believe. There's another couple of scriptures, uh, somewhat controversial, but I think we would all agree about the reference in these Old Testament scriptures, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, figuratively portray Satan's rebellion. These two scriptures in these chapters are specifically addressing these rebellious, uh, wicked kings who rebelled against God and were against His people. They fell. God caused them to fall. In this narrative of these kings, 
Satan is portrayed figuratively. His rebellion and fall in accounts in, of these two wicked kings we see uh, in Revelation chapter 12 verse 4 and 12 9. Many agree. Tell that one third of the angels were banished with Satan. Now why, why is this? Why, why would an angel follow Satan? I don't know. The uh, same way people follow Satan I, I imagine. We're led from scripture to believe that Satan's sin, his downfall was his pride. He, 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 he wanted to be like God. He wanted to put himself above God. And God cast him down. These angels that sided with Satan, they were, they were banished with him. So we see that the people or those who are judged on that day includes these evil angels. Uh, it's, it does not mention anything about any other type of living thing. Beings is what we're talking about. Human beings and angels. The point is that all beings who have ever lived will be there on that day. It says all persons. Uh, Romans 14, 20, 14, 12, I al already mentioned this. It says, so that each of us will give an account of himself to God. This is another scripture supporting this. We also see the ones given in the confession, 2 Corinthians 5, 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. These will appear, the angels and all the people. And this brings up the subject uh, of, I'll try to address, try to clear up a little more later. There's been much misunderstanding, especially in our, our circles. It's certainly my culture and heritage that I come from that people would say, uh, you're going to be judged on the judgment day for what you've done. And your deeds will be judged. And there's going to be two judgments. The, judge, the judgment of the wicked and the judgment of the righteous. And I think that's why Paul, before he, before he left, he went to a great deal of uh, effort to show us that this judgment takes place on, on, in one day at, at one time. Uh, people have split this up. They've misinterpreted it. We ended up with dispensationalism. It springs all this. All this feeds on one another. It's just a, a mis, misapplication of Scripture. Uh, we must all appear one time, one judgment. We're all going to give an account. We also see in chapter four of Hebrews, verse twelve. It says, watch this transition here. For the word of God is living and alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The transition I was talking about was in the first part of the verse. It says, 
refers to the Word of God. And by the time we got to the end of the verse, it says they were exposed to the eyes of Him. This Word is Christ Himself. Uh, we will be judged by the standard that He's put down. The topics of judgment is what we're talking about here. The thoughts, words, and deeds. Notice this progression. We may think a thing. We can sin in our thoughts. We can have good thoughts or bad thoughts. The next progression, if we're going towards an action or taking, something taking place in our life, is the words. We'll say, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. And we end up doing the deed. The uh, confession tells this in, in order. We will appear before the tribunal of Christ and we will give account of all this in progression. And we, we know about the fact that we, we sin uh, in thought. If we don't have to actually commit the act. If we have a sinful intent, that's sin. Uh, if it progresses, if it gets that far, we can fall into the deed. And this all will be judged. We see uh, in the confession, the scripture references given, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give, this is Matthew 12, 36, will give account for every careless word they speak. There will be nothing, just like the scripture we just read. Uh, all these things are exposed and naked before the sight of God on, on this day of judgment. <clears throat> we see God's perfect justice on the day of judgment, the topics of judgment. Uh, it says you will... Give an account. It says you will receive according to your deeds. That is uh, towards the end of the paragraph there. In His perfect righteousness, Christ cannot be unfair. I won't be judged for your good deeds, and you won't be judged for my sins. Uh, in reference to this, I've been using this book, and I used it yesterday morning, Thomas Watson's Body of Divinity. I'd like to read a... He has six points. I'd like to read two points about God's justice, His perfect justice, the fact that to try to separate God from His justice or separate God from His holy perfection is, is undoable. He says on page 88 under the heading The Justice of God, God cannot be but just. His holiness is the cause of His justice. Holiness will not suffer Him to do anything but what is righteous. He can no more be unjust than He can be unholy. This is the reason that there, God's justice is perfect. Another point in the same paragraph, the same, uh, same page, says, 
God does justice voluntarily. Justice flows from His nature. Men may act unjustly because they are bribed or forced. God will not be bribed because of His justice. He cannot be forced because of His power. He does justice out of love to justice. We see that out of Psalm. He says, Thou lovest justice. That's Psalm 47, 7. This is God's perfect just Number four in the, in the uh, progression here is God's justice is perfect. We will give an account. We will give an account. We will receive according to our deeds. Again in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31. This is drawn to the end of my comments. 10.31 in Hebrews says, It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of living God. Uh, we could not deny that. It is a fearful thing. It's, so, it's one of the most somber, one of the most serious things we can imagine. Uh, it's right up there with the, the atonement Jesus made on the cross. It's very serious, very somber. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's, that's true. But it is equally true that His judgment through Jesus will be righteous and just. Those accounted righteous by Jesus have nothing to fear. People have always, like I mentioned in the beginning, people have always spoken ominously of uh, Judgment Day. And they say, you know, you're going to pay on Judgment Day, or I'm afraid on Judgment Day. I don't want to. I don't want to be there on Judgment Day. Well, we're all going to be there. Uh, it's it's very, very somber, very serious, very misunderstood by most people. Unless you're guided by the Scripture, there's a lot of uh, problems with Judgment Day and people's understanding of it. That's why we have to stick to the Scripture, and we have to apply the Scripture correctly. People bend and misapply. Scripture. If they knew Scripture or God, they wouldn't do this. Why is this, do you think? Honestly, I think we feel comfortable or justified when we compare ourselves with one another, when actually the standard is Christ Jesus Himself. Scripture must be taken as a whole, not pitched, not picked apart, and applied in pieces, which is what we're prone to do. Very, very few people are willing to put in the work to look at Scripture as a whole. They'll make a mistake or try to judge somebody else and they'll try to find a subject in the Bible and say, aha, you messed up. This, this is why. But they won't. They won't see the Bible as a whole, the story of redemption and uh, the fact that judgment springs from God's holiness and our own salvation springs from God's holiness. The truth is, our works will be judged to reveal our faith or lack of it. People think, and that's how we came up with the idea of, uh, you know, you will you'll either go to heaven or you'll go to hell whether you're judged 
you have more good deeds than you do bad deeds. You see my point? We, they came up falsely with that by misapplying the Scripture, by picking them out and not putting the whole of Scripture together. Uh, the verse that says, I'll show you my faith by my works proves this. The kind of faith that is a saving faith produces good works. It produces a life characterized by good works. Uh, I'm very sorry and sad to say that we know people, and I have known people, who upon their death, we couldn't put our finger on their definite good testimony. Uh, they went to church or they frequented church. They may have been a, a member of a church. Uh, they claimed to be saved. You might have been there when they were baptized. But then you think, they don't, they don't talk like somebody that knows the Scripture. They don't live. Their value system is not like somebody that knows the Scripture. They don't talk and act like somebody who Christ lives in their heart. This don't go together. I'm, I'm, we see this all the time in Hollywood. These stars or prominent people will you know, claim to be a Christian, claim that God spoke to them. And they, but they live ungodly lives. These things, they go together. Uh, the Holy Spirit in a person's life will not produce bad works. He only produces good works. It might be objectionable, objectionable to somebody who it convicts or it might be hurtful to somebody that's going against them. But all, all at the same time, they are good works. I'm reminded uh, of a story that really stuck in my head. We had a pastor rough and snow. And uh, not many of you will remember the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, Timothy McVeigh and another homegrown terrorist drove a truck, homemade bomb, into the federal building, killed a lot of people. Horrible, horrible uh, American terrorist. A lot of, and he lived in Oklahoma at the time. <clears throat> He's from Oklahoma, rough and snow, wise man. He was sent there because he was pastor to minister to these people. Uh, people who worked there, their families, people who were killed, their families would come for counseling. He would try to comfort them. And he told a story of a lady who came and said her husband had died in that blast. And she came begging. She came with such hope. And she wanted to know. She asked Pastor Snow, she said, in that split second between the rumble or the blast, is there time for a person to repent and be saved? And of course, he, there was no way he could give a, a positive answer to that. That's, that's not likely at all. I don't see how that could happen. So he tried to comfort her and uh, show her Christ. But then he told later, he said, later, I felt so angry at that man who had been with this woman who knows how long. And he said he couldn't leave 
a testimony with this woman of a, of a saved soul. He says, I was so mad at that man. He thought it was so unkind and so selfish. And is that not the way? Can you, can you see that in your relationship with other people? Maybe, you're, maybe, uh, maybe with your own parents, maybe with your own spouse. We have, we have an opportunity while, while in this life to repent and turn to Christ. Ben has gone to a funeral. A family member, I think it was his aunt. He told us yesterday morning he's going to be gone. I said, do you think he was a believer? He said, oh, yeah. He, he had a very, very good assurance that this lady... He said, she was one of the most godly influences early on in my life. See how valuable that is? Don't leave an impression of doubt with your family, with people who you come in contact with. We all know people who, <clears throat> or heard about people who go off to work and don't come home. They go to bed and don't get up. For whatever reason, we will not escape the justice and we will not escape the judgment of God. Once our eyes close here, that's the next event. Uh, it is certain. The judgment day is set. It is certain. It's unavoidable. Those who will be there is unavoidable. It has been said. It will be all living beings. The judge has already been picked. The only one qualified. Christ himself. By his own righteous life. By his own uh, qualification of his father. By raising him from the dead. The things that we'll give an account of. What are they? Everything in our life. Our thoughts. Our words. And our deed, the things that characterize our life. Not to say, at that point, you're saved or lost. That has already been decided. That's all. That's in the past on Judgment Day. Uh, judgment Day, it won't be to say you had more good deeds than bad deeds. It'll be to say, do your deeds. Did your life show? A, a redeemed soul. Does your life show a person who uh, Christ rules their life? Let's pray. Oh Lord, you are definitely worthy to judge. Many times in the Gospels and in the Epistles we see the fact that Jesus will judge and all of us will be there. Lord, uh, it's not said that we, will, that we will come there. Uh, Lord, I don't know. The animals went into the ark and you made them go and I know you will make every, every person show up at Judgment Day.